Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. If you want to find out about Don and Christine's ministry, which is fantastic. By the way, she I've been talking with her a lot, and I'm interested in reading her book material. I haven't read any. I'm sorry. Not yet. But I just learned about you guys. Not that took long ago. But I tell you, the stuff we've been talking about is outstanding. They're going to have that for sale out front, you know, out front at the end of the service and all their CDs and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what they're about. Go look at that biography on Wikipedia or whatever you want to do. You can look up Don Potter online and you'll find his testimony and all kind of things, you know, that he that he's got out there on YouTube and whatever. That's how you're gonna discover him. But today, what this is about is we're breaking a fast. And we're in our in our fast, the focus was this that that we would experience the presence of God like never before. Our our fast was this that we if we could be like him, if we could be in his presence, then we'd be transformed. And that was our desire. That alone. I don't want anything else but you, God, in my life. And and and, and this morning he's here to lead us in intercession. We're going to continue to be in intercession. So he's going to sing songs. And he's going to prophesy over us as he sings those songs. And he's going to do it excellently. But I know that their ministry is all about bringing glory to him and you receiving and understanding who God is so that you can become the kind of person that he wants you to be. That's what they're about. And so that's what we're going to do. And so let's give an incredible, let's stand up. Let's give an incredible east side welcome to Don Potter as he comes and ministers to us. to do a few uh, I'm a stand-up comic and I'm gonna do a few jokes so I hope you get me because otherwise I'll be sad <laughs> oh you already laughed so I can go on to something deeper um I, I, how about this is what I saw this morning um I was looking at the up here during the worship on uh, the beginning and um did you ever see those kind of I guess they're swimming pools but, um, you know, they're flat, and it just all you see is water, and it seems to have no edge. You ever seen that kind of a pool? Well, that's what this whole platform looked like, a pool of that water. And it, it was um, just totally water up here. There's no edge. And I felt like it was, uh, obviously, it was a pool of the Spirit. And, um, Lord, uh, first thing I thought it was, it was like a reflection pool. And I thought it was interesting that you wanted, in the fasting, to kind of come to a place of, where you could more behold the Lord. And so uh, he said it was an imaging pool. Isn't that cool? And that made me think about James there. You know, where you kind of look into the word of God and you, it's like a mirror or a pool, a reflection, and you get to see who you are. And he would encourage us that as he um, begins to let us see who we are, that we stop forgetting who we are. We forget. It's like we have amnesia, and we wake up, and we go back to sleep, and we keep on remembering and forgetting and remembering and forgetting who he is, of course, but then it's really important that we don't forget who we are. Okay, so as we look into 
the word, we look into the spirit, we look into Christ. We behold him. As we behold him, we actually are able to see who we really are. And we must not, I was encouraged, we must not forget. In fact, we're remembering. He wants us to remember because before we were, we were. And so we need to remember that so that we can, I like words, we can actually actuate. We're not here to do our lives. We're here to actuate the reality of who we are already. Okay? Said that kind of resonate over you. Okay, see, we have to remember. It's already in our spirit. It's already written. It's already written. It's already written in our DNA. We're, as we're new creatures, it's already been written. It was written already into the DNA of our spirit, into our very DNA. We already are those sons who are in the image of Jesus. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, just breathe right now on the, on all of our DNA. Yeah, just breathe your breath of life uh, and begin to cause us to remember, cause us to resound with the sound of your breath. As Don said this morning, that the light, everyone has the light in, uh, in us, and that light is really a sound. And so as you blow over us and as you re-quicken and cause our re-memories to be activated so that we remember who we are already, and in that imaging, as we look into that reflection place and we see that portion of you, Jesus, that we are to be in the earth. Each one of us is like a cell of Jesus. None of us is all of Jesus. But what, what each one of us is a portion, as we have a portion of the DNA, that we might be that piece of Jesus in the earth. So, Lord, breathe on and awaken that portion of us that is already to rep the representative or the representer of Christ in the earth. I, I thought we were at a tipping point, um, that that pool was just wanting to overflow the limits. And I think that maybe has a little bit with what Don said later on, those limits, the limits, whatever, you know, whatever limits religious limits, family limits, cultural limits. There's all these limits that have been imprinted into our souls. We've got all these structures in our souls imprinting that were telling us who we were, but they were limiting us to who actually who we had been but don't have to be anymore. Okay, yeah, there you go. Feel that shifting? Yeah. So we can let go <laughs> of all it was that we thought we were supposed to be that we couldn't seem to be because we weren't meant to be, really meant to be. <laughs> and there wasn't any God breath on the imprinting of the fallen condition that said if we only could be more, we could be enough. <laughs> but we'll never be enough because we already, well, you don't have to be enough because that Christ has in his completion, he's already made us enough. And he is our enough, and he is the enough in us and through us. So as we relax into our salvation, isn't that funny? We get all stressed out, and we kind of grasp and try to force our salvation. But he's like, no, 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 no. 
Stop trying to, don't, you can't strive at salvation. How can you strive to receive this beautiful gift, this freedom gift? How can you strive? Simply relax. And when you relax, then you can rejoice. And when you relax, you receive. And when you receive, you become what you are in him. Okay, so let's let go of all the stuff that we thought we were meant to be. And let's relax into who he made us to be. Okay? Yeah, that's good. Feels a little better, doesn't it? Okay, I had, it was this water. Was that living water? And that water of life was what wants to overflow. Okay, so we need a little soaking. We need to continue to ask him to saturate our essence so that our essence is activated and uh, as our essence is activated uh, it's going to begin to overflow but it only overflows through the principle of saturation so uh, a lot of what could happen can't happen because we're not saturated and our identity you can't force your identity your identity actually kind of is actuated and it actuate it's actuated by his essence that infills that dna place right so as i relax enough to receive him he saturates me and he causes what he designed to become fully i'm fully filled with him which means that i become the fulfillment and i am fulfilled isn't that good okay um, Don was doing come, come, come. And uh, I saw these angels up. They were like sort of like little background dancers. And uh, they were like doing their sway thing. <laughs> and as they were doing their sway thing, um, they started making waves in the pool. <laughs> and as they started making waves in the pool, it started sloshing over the edge. And it was holy water. Isn't that fun? So that as we give ourselves to the Spirit and we kind of let Him move us, we're going to start sloshing. And that holy essence is going to start sloshing out and it's going to overflow the banks or the limits of, remember, the limits of our not enoughness. And He's going to overflow our not enoughness. Isn't that awesome? And Ah, we won't have to act holy, which is so bizarre. When you act holy, it's like so bizarre. Everybody's like, okay, stay away from that one. But what's going to happen is it's so awesome because this holy water inside is going to slosh out. Oh, my gosh. And so, like, oh, holy water. I don't really, I was never a Catholic, but, you know, you have that holy water. It's awesome. And so... We're filled with this, like, awesome holy water. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And so this living water of consecration, you know, like, when we relax and we just start sloshing, this holiness is going to start sloshing out of us. The Christ who will no longer be contained, who can't be made to remain within the boundaries any longer, he's going to break out, slosh out. Isn't that great? Okay, that was and, and consecration, crazy. The more we let him fill us, the more consecrated we are, the more he does this thing. It's called, um, uh, oh, yeah, d displacement. You know, like you have a full glass, and then you put something else in there, and it just pushes out the other thing that was in there before. So he said uh, he, likes to dis he likes to displace, to replace. 
Because a lot of times I try to like drag stuff out of season and like jerk it on out. But then I have this little vacuum and then it jumps right back in, only worse. You know that one. <laughs> or that's probably just me. But yeah, so when he said, really, if you'll just go ahead and let me keep fill, 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 filling you, then by the law of displacement, I'm going to push out everything that's not me. Just let me get more, just put more and more and more of me in, and then you don't have to work so hard at taking all that stuff that's really not you anyway any longer. So that's that's how we're going to get consecrated. It's so much better. It's so much more relaxing. I'm all about relaxing into holiness, actually, because I like burn myself out 150,000 million times. Have you ever done that? God, it's so dry. And and finally, he said, it's just because you, like, try so hard. He said, why don't you just, like, relax into what I've already done? And as you relax into what I've already done, then you actually get to become. And when you actually become what you are, it's just, like, so much fun. So, like, let's have a little fun, y'all. Um, okay. It's, oh, I didn't get this 100%. So, sloshing of the holy water of consecration. It's going to go outside. It's banks. Uh, I love word plays, and so oh, I felt like on the banks there was not only just the containers, but banks had a, has a lot to do with banking system. So I feel like when we start to uh, do all this relaxation and actually let Christ be Christ and stop trying to be Christ-like and then we can just be Christ-like, well, it, that's hooked up to some riches because banks have riches in them. So I felt like there was some riches that were going to be available. There were the riches that are in Christ. And we're going to be able to begin to appro actually appropriate and be Dem demonstrators of the richness of Christ because we will be freed now to partake of all this richness that is already ours. We already have a ton of stuff in the bank, but we haven't been able to access the riches of Christ that are ours, that are already in us because we thought we were supposed to use our own resources, which was actually our own strength to have a righteousness of our own, which only caused us to not be able. It blocked our access to to the riches of Christ, which is what he has given us in, in our allowance. Isn't that fun? Okay, well, Don's ready. We preach to each other around the house. your burden of sin it's power in the blood power in the blood would you or evil a victory win it's wonderful power in the blood there is power power wonder working power in the blood Your passion and pride, there's power. 
During the first service we found there was a top upon the church. We struggled to get over the top, how about you? But I find in the second service it's not the top that's a problem in the house. It's the spirit of religion that's tearing down what's inside of you. got a dose of it, whether we like it or not. We've got a limit that we set upon God. I'll go there, but there I will not. Maybe today's the day you can bring an end to that spirit in the house. Until religion falls at the feet of Jesus, we rise up somehow and we say, I've got to say Jesus Christ and i got to shout it a father who calls my name every day and I'm gonna shout his name out loud and I will not succumb to that religious spirit again for my love of God is an everlasting love as he is inside of me hallelujah to your name hallelujah Lord of life and we call church being just like church I want to see it the church of God I'm tired of saying the same things every week because we can't get encouraged unless we hear it one more time but that's not the way of God he's calling you higher and higher for the things that are yet to be for grace is here to give you the place of life and liberty it's been paid for, it's been paid for. Better start looking like your freedom's alive. It's been paid for, it's been paid for. And the grace of God is in your life. It's been paid for, you never know. The kingdom's on you now. It's been paid for, and we glory in the God of Christ right now. Never a bad idea to be insulted for a while Kind of wakes you up out of a stupor or a sleep Somebody daring to offend you That you don't even really know It's a good time for God to be inside of me We praise your name this day, Lord And we will not stop until we see your face I want to see clouds parting and a white charger charging through it. I want to see a father shouting, this is my son, can you see it? And we glory, we glory, and our lives are for real. Praise to you, Jesus. Praise to your Father. Praise to you, Holy Spirit. 
What happens to us a lot of times, and we'll get into some things here as we go along. Are you okay? All right, being insulted a little bit. Spirit of religion isn't you. It's something trying to attack you. So don't think it's coming from you. It's coming to you. And what happens to us is that we don't recognize that it's, it's happening most of the time. And how it starts with is this little funny thing we call judgment. <laughs> um, and just for a little history, if you're interested in that, this is great because it's a theater. It looks like a theater. I love all this. In the um, Old Testament, the Jews gathered in a theater and they judged matters. They had their people in there and they had leaders up here. And someone would come in and bring your complaint about something or bring a whatever. And they, they would judge a matter from the theater. When the Jews were taken over uh, by the Roman Empire, uh, they introduced entertainment in the theater. They'd do satire, they'd do musicals, they did all kinds of things. So when the two cultures merged, the judgment of entertainment became the norm. And that's what we got left with. We judge entertainment. Is that correct? Take this little eight-inch step right there, and you are under judgment instantaneously. That's too loud, that's not loud enough, I don't like the way you wear your clothes, da-da-da-da. We go through a thousand things. Well, we're trained to judge every day with a little button in our hand that sits in front of a screen, and we go, I don't like that, don't, uh, no, are you kidding? And, da, 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 da. and we pass through judgment, and we feel like it's our gig. <laughs> Our gig in life is to judge everything, and it would be better if everyone just went along with my judgments. Isn't that correct? Life would be a lot smoother, wouldn't it? Well, we bring that thing that we've practiced all week right to the house of God, and we move right into judgment again, unconsciously, through our own thing. Now, there ain't much to complain about in here. I'm not sure we could find something. Don't worry. We could pick out something. You know, it's not a problem to do that. I got into a church one time, and I couldn't worship God because the guitar player was out of tune. <laughs> there you have it. You know, there's no sense in worshiping God. The guitar player is out of tune. Am I making any sense to you yet? I will in a few minutes, I think. Um, and the Lord said, you know, the Holy Spirit's about six inches above your head. Uh-huh. So I'm just sitting there having my complaining attack, and I got a boom. I got caught in the spirit of what yanked me up into the heavens, and I was gone. Okay, it happened when there was an out-of-tune guitar player, too. How is that possible? I said that to be stupid. I said that to show you how dumb our, our, our judgments really are. They're so small that we'll find that as a judgment. Are you making, am I making sense? This is how religion finds its way into our hearts. Are you okay? Are you okay still? Right. I used to play a lot of hot licks. And I thought it was always great. God would think, that I was cool because I could do that. And he's saying, but can you do that? Can you do that? And just let it be. So I began to stop. Began to stop. That's an oxymoron. Um, began to stop showing off. I wanted to show out what God gave me rather than show it off. It's really different. 
So as he did it, he began to explain something to me, and I'll give you just a brief synopsis of it, because I think somehow you might need it here. You've had any teachings on the tabernacle of David? Yes? A few? A little bit? A little minor, whatever. It's an amazing thing. God's going to raise up the fallen booth of David. You know that the tabernacle of David is what he's going to raise up in the end times. He said it in, in Acts 15, 16, also in Amos 9, 11. He said the same thing. In those days, I will, I will, God, will raise up the fallen booth of David so the rest of mankind can seek me. That sounds an awful lot like a harvest, doesn't it? The rest of mankind. Is he talking about everybody? That's a harvest, guys. So it's the fallen booth of David that rises before the harvest. Are you catching what I'm trying to say? So we could all say, well, there's not going to be a tent somewhere in Jerusalem. This is the tabernacle of David or the tabernacle of God is what this turns out to be. But so I'll give you a little brief synopsis of what the tabernacle probably looked like because there is no description of David's tabernacle, only Moses. Okay. But God wasn't interested in raising Moses' tabernacle, only David's. Did you know why? We often say it's because of 24-7 prayer and praise. That's great. That is a good idea to raise it up. But I think one day the Lord said, I'm going to raise that up because it was the one time when you could find the leader of a nation on his face in sackcloth and ashes before his God. Repenting before the people he led. Is anybody catching what's coming? God is about to break leadership in half in every place, government, church, everywhere. This will not be the power person anymore. It's the broken man that God is raising up. Are you okay? If you can stand that, that's what's coming because it won't be my strength that touches the life of the lost. Are you hearing where I'm going? So the first thing you go when you're going to go to the tabernacle, we're going to call it the same as coming into the house. We're going to come into the church. We're going to worship God. This is the same thing, body, soul, and spirit. You come in the back door, and the truth of it is you're entering the outer court just before you get in, if you will. In the outer court, there's a bronze laver and a bronze altar. Do you know that? Yeah. A bronze altar was for burning your idols. Thank you very much. <laughs> Got any idols you want to throw up there? And what I didn't understand before is the word idol, the meaning of the word idol is image. And too much of the time I used to come to church with the image of wanting to appear to be a holy man. That's called an image. That's an idol. And that will not fly in God's house. I don't care how much I want you to think I'm a really holy person, I can't make that happen. Only God can make you see that. Do you understand that? But when I live for that image or live for the image of a guitar player, I've been in the music business for years and the image was the whole thing. What do you mean? Hey, yeah, man. Hey, hey, I got it. I got it. I got it. You wouldn't dream of playing it. You have to look good doing it. Am I correct? That's an image. And that's an idol that's almost instantaneous to attach itself to us. That has to go up on the altar. That's what's being set on fire is my image. I don't have a statue of Don in my bedroom. I just have an image of what I think I am. And worse, I have an image I don't, I want you to think I am. I, are, you, are you following me where we're going here? Because uh, we have a different image when we're in here. That's how religion consumes us. It 
come in here with an image that isn't really you. I don't mean you come in swearing because of the guy in the parking lot. That's not it either. But it's the truth of your life alive in you. The true confession before God of who you are is the first word in the meanings of praise. To confess who he is and confess my mess is praise to God's ears, not shame. Are you hearing that? That's how praise begins. I confess, Lord, I need you. I'm a mess. I need you. Anybody feel that way sometimes? I know I do, very regularly. But you're a Christian. Yes, I know. That's exactly why I do it very regularly. Are you? you got to be hearing me on this. Okay. And so what we're undergoing, we get from the bronze altar. That's a nice place. We go to the bronze laver. That's a very fascinating. It's got salt water, and it. it's really a pot. And they put salt water, and you wash your hands and your feet in it. Because you can't enter into the place, the holy place of God. Hands represent power, grasping power, in fact. Feet is the walk of your life, and what you are like as a person. But then another definition of the word laver, which is interesting, is stage or pulpit. Did you know that? It's a kind of a weird idiom in, in, in Hebrew. It's a funny thing. And in, in English, we have, we have that all the time. We have one word means something. You know what I mean? We, we can say, hey, man, what's happening? Oh, nothing. And we can say nothing and use it as a joke, like nothing. And the world's on fire. Nothing's happening over here. You know what I mean? So we use words all the time, and they mean the opposite frequently because we're sarcastic. Um, so we get to this, and so... All of a sudden, I realized, why would you need to wash your hands of the stage and the pulpit or the pulpit? Why? Wash your hands and feet. Because grasping for power from that position, you must be cleansed of. And the ultimate meaning, I'll cut to the chase for you, is I want to control your opinion of me. You okay so far? Now, I would really like to control your opinions of me, and I'd like to sing a lot of songs I think would make you happy. I started out with Power in the Blood because that should make you happy. It's almost traditional in a slightly untraditional way, and with this nice beard and mustache, I must be cool too. Correct? <laughs> Is that what we're seeing? Are you making it? Am I making any sense? If you are giving off a spirit that creates anything from these people to try to appease you, you've just missed God by about 80 miles. He is not interested in stuff like that. Are you catching me? He's interested in him being glorified by everybody in the room. This is not the glorified bunch, and you are forced into following that. I still we're talking to the right crowd? Don't make me cheerlead you into loving God. Don't make me say, hey, make me like God. Okay, enjoy yourself making me like God. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? This ought to be burning in your belly. And the question is, if it's not, why is it not? It's an honest question. Why is it not? Maybe you might want to throw a couple of those idols you have up on that altar next time you get here. Or try washing those hands and feet of your opinion for a minute. Can I insult you with that? Is that okay? 
Uh, insulting is really good. I love it. God does it to me all the time. I pass through that. I come to this thing called the inner court or the holy place. Anybody? In the inner court, there's a lampstand, and it's made out of gold. It's called beaten gold. And it has lampstands, candles and stuff. And then there is a table of incense and then a table of showbread. Are you you're familiar with that kind of stuff? Well, the lampstand represents the fellowship, kind of our, what we are together and stuff like that and gathered together. Uh, but the lampstand is made out of what is called beaten gold. I like it. So when it's finished, they rub their hand all around it, man, to see if there's anything sharp on that lampstand. And if there is, bang, they start beating it some more. They just keep beating. Isn't that funny? The fellowship of the body of Christ is something that has to occasionally get beaten to take its sharp edges off. Did you ever notice that in your lives? You think you're getting beaten? Anybody ever feel that? Man, <laughs> I'm getting pounded over here. And you're never like, it got to be the devil. And it could be God has sent in one of his goldsmiths to beat that sharpness off of us. Anybody felt that before? And once we start to go through that, that creates the fellowship which lights the light. That's where the light is on the lampstand. So it feels like God has betrayed me. No, he's actually shining brighter through you than before. That, am I making sense to you like that? Right. So he goes on and he takes his next step. And we come to the incense, which is the worship. We all like that because it rises up and it's wonderful. Everybody like worship? Do you guys enjoy that? That's so wonderful. And you got a great worship team. It's a great church for worship. It's great. I'm sure the word is good in here. So you got a lot of good in here. Am I correct? you got a lot of good stuff. Is there any place to go when it gets good? Maybe excellent? So let's try excellent for a while. Since good is really good, let's try excellent for a while. Uh, what does excellent look like? Well, that would be we're back to opinions now. But we've washed our hands and feet of that. So we're not going to embrace an opinion on what's good in fellowship. You see what I mean? And what's good in worship? What's good in worship is when I'm standing here, I sense the presence of God. That's what's good in worship. I like your band, but that's not what made it presence. The presence made the presence. You I think you get that. Uh, and all this really does is doesn't insult it. Am I making any sense? Did you know you can't get rid of the presence? You can just be distracted to the degree you can't recognize it. That's the only thing that can happen. You can't get rid of God. He's here all the time. Just that we're not capable of seeing him all the time. So what's really happening here is they have earned what is called authority to stop the demonic so that you can recognize that God is actually present. But then you are responsible for recognizing it. And what would you like to do with that? Make you happy? Make you sad? Sometimes I'm in tears. The second I feel God's presence, I'm just like nothing. <gasps> Anybody? That's called the worship of the Lord. The response to his presence is worship to the Lord. Am I making sense? Then we go to the showbread. That, that means the face of his presence. Frequently, we get to that place and we're ready to go home. 
Do you know what I mean? We've had some fellowship. That's been good, man. Yes, we a little bit of hammering and took the sharp edge off. It's real good, man. And we had some worship. Yeah. And then we faced his presence. Yeah, let's go home. Right? But then there's this holy of holies still waiting. Still waiting. Have you ever... Anybody here could use permanent provision? Anyone? How about all God's promises fulfilled? How about that one? I wouldn't mind that one either. I'd like to have that. How about his power? That's all in the Holy of Holies. Mercy? Anybody need any mercy? Mercy seat's in there. Hmm. What an interesting place to avoid. Am I talking to the right crowd still? We need to take this next step. Now, all of us could say, yeah, in the church, we'll get into the church. That's actually not the place you take that step. That step is you. That step is you. They can't make you go there. Are you hearing me? You hear that? Those are gatekeepers. They hold the gate and they protect it and guard it so you can take that step. And if you misunderstand that and think they're going to carry you to the throne room, you're making a mistake. They are not responsible for that. You are. Is that good? I'm saying this for a couple of reasons. I know that you have enjoy worship and I know you enjoy yourselves and stuff, but there's a lid on it. There's a cap where it needs to not be a cap or a lid. Because we think we're crazy, we're crazy. I've been involved with some crazy. Does anybody know that? I've seen some crazy. And one time we were doing some serious crazy, and I thought this is probably over the top. You know what I mean? In my little mind, and God said, that's because you have a top. And so when I realized I, I was capping what I thought was too much, you, do you understand what I mean by that? And I'm a kind of a, how many people are over 50 in here? So it's, it's a good many. And it's probably the same percentage in the, in the first service. I don't know. This is the young service, right? This is the one where everybody's young. Amen. It was young, right? Okay. So my question has always been, what are we going to do with people over 50? Is to just shoot them or something? Are they in the, are they in the way of real life? What do you do with them? How about it? Is anybody hearing what I'm talking about? I spent my life being a young person. I just all of a sudden looked in the mirror and went, Oh, who did that to my face? (laughs) You know, and it's like, golly, this all happened at once. This did not take any time at all. And suddenly, you're looked at by young people with this one phrase. You couldn't possibly know what you're talking about. Look at your face. Am I telling you correctly? And somehow, credibility fell out the window. I don't know why credibility left when we were turned 50. I don't know what happened to it. It just went away. Or did it? And so what God's been trying to do for a long, long time now is join a three-generational group of people that were three generations deep. 
And when they got to the third generation, loving and following God, the goods came for the third generation. But it cost the first two to get there. He didn't get rid of the first two to get there. They, it cost them. That's the carrying of the Ark of the Covenant. Am I making sense? Yeah. They carried the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. When David brought the Ark back, do you remember the story? He brought it, he put it on a cart for a while. He carried it for miles as he worshipped his guts out. Do you know that story? They carried it for miles the wrong way. But because of their worship, God let them get away with it. But the moment man began to try to assist God and hold him on the cart, boom, instant death. We've been carrying the ark the wrong way for a long time. And because we have been worshiping, we're getting away with it. But that day is coming to an end where we're not going to get away with our haphazard version of following God. You okay? It's meant to hurt your feelings, but that's meant to make you mad enough to change. Because you know that information and then knowledge and anger create change. If you don't have some, that makes me mad, you'll do nothing. You'll just sit on it. You don't need more, you don't need to have any more things to sit on. You're sitting on plenty of stuff already. Might as well have something that really bothers you enough to change. And what we're doing now, and especially this is an important place. You're in the East Gate. I may try to explain that, but I don't know. It may not be something for now, but you're in the east gate of the city that's about to have something explode in it. East gate's where the presence comes from, by the way. Did you know that? I'd say that was a reasonably important gate to watch. Just, you know, just a reasonably important gate to watch. So they bring the Ark of the Covenant up, and David has gone through a lot of changes and here's how the Ark of the Covenant actually gets moved. Finally, he realizes he puts the Ark in Obed-Edom's house, and Obed is, you know, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> What's that? Oh, the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> You're looking good over there, isn't it? You can imagine visiting Obed-Edom at that particular time when the Ark was blowing everything up in his house, and somehow that got along with God. That didn't bother God. Riding on the cart, that bothered God. You understand what I'm getting at? So finally, they get the ark, and David knows what he's supposed to do. And the ark is rested on the shoulders of the sons of the Levites. That means the youngest generation. We're not talking about the son of Levi. We're talking about the sons of Levites. It means that they carry it. When they did, then the elders and the fathers began to make sacrifices so that when they carried the burden of his presence, that was covered by a sacrifice by the older generation. Since they only walked six steps and then stopped and did another sacrifice, it's clear that God is not trying to go somewhere in the ark. Am I correct? You all right? If it takes, if you get, it takes 2,700 sacrifices to get from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem up into Jerusalem. That's a few sacrifices. Am I making sense? All right. He makes these sacrifices. They get the ark up into the, into, the, into the temple or the tabernacle at that time. And they start then 24-7, worship and praise. And he tells them, go in there and record your thanksgiving and praise. It's Second Chronicles. Go in and record your 
thanksgiving and praise to the Lord 24-7. So there's a scribe sitting in the tabernacle. And David comes in the middle of the night pretty strung out, you know what I mean? But he's crying out to God. And the scribe's writing down, Psalm of David. The band happened to be playing Lilies of the Field, and he writes to the tune of Lilies in the Field. 49 or 50 psalms are anonymous. They don't know who they were because it was somebody off the street. That means the place has got a lampstand. No, it's got five layers of skin on the outside. No windows. It's pretty dark. They got incense burning all the time. It's dark and smoky like a nightclub. <laughs> and that's where the power of God was released upon a nation. For 33 years, every year Jesus walked the planet, was prayed over by the praises of the people of Israel. We are beginning to praise in a way to open the land that Jesus can walk on. He only walks on praised ground. You okay? Does any of this make sense? Okay. Um, I don't mean to get heavy. Maybe I do. I can't, can't think of it. But How many realize you haven't... Um, There's a sound that's rising up from inside your house. There's a sound that's going to be identified strictly by you guys. And the Lord, when he begins to hear this sound, he'll know the DNA of this church is beginning to awaken. And he sees it. Once he starts to do that, he'll send messenger angels in. And there'll be messages that you'll get from him. You'll see it. It'll be great. And he'll give it to people, someone singing, someone leading. And they'll let the band work out their issues, which is not an uncommon thing to happen. And when they're working out their issues, he's working out issues in you guys. And when we come to be carried into some place, we have to stop. We have to come to carry something, not to be carried. And what's coming is he is calling you to a deeper place of worship in your own lives. So when this comes together, this is an explosion. Not a good idea, just an explosion of presence. From it, revelation will pour down through the portal that is opened as a, as a result of this praise. Am I making sense? And when that portal begins to pour revelation, he will give wisdom concerning a host of things. Sometimes it's healing. Sometimes it's not. Now, healing is, you pray for healing, and you're going to see more of it that's going to happen. But more of it's going to come based on another reason that we didn't expect. We think it's healing because they're sick. That's a pretty good reason. But we, God heals because he's changing the dynamic of the land. He's changing what's on the land. Are you hearing that? Got a river near here? Rocky River. When it overflows its banks, and it will, call for the river of God to come into this area. Call call for it to come right into this place. I'm not talking about a flood. I'm talking about when it overflows its banks, that means it's ready to be prayed in. You pray for the river of God to come, and that makes the city of God glad. Once he starts to get glad, which he's a pretty easy guy to get glad, he needs to hear his voice through his people. Am I making sense? 
Because if you can hear this, which is a quote from Judson Cornwall, praise is redeemed man singing to God. But worship is God singing to himself through redeemed man. And that's what's coming. God's going to start singing to himself, and it's going to start to be an explosion of sound. But he's waiting for this heart to admit its own redemption. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Words say incorporate singing, shouting, stridulous, creaking noise. It incorporates a whole slew of things. We can no longer be quiet. And I'll tell you what else may not be pleasant, but this is not where he wants praise to be. Only. He wants it outside. He wants it in the street. This exuberance, this much energy, and more, and that kind of presence is irresistible. I don't care who you are. You okay? Did I insult you guys? I often think God, I was always thought of as a warrior. I'm not. I was a folk singer. I just sing quietly and no one cares when I do. And God took me by the throat and said, I want you to sing warfare. Well, I cannot because I'm not my personality. But... Each one of us has another side to our personality. Call it the B side of who you are. And the quiet demeanor of whatever you are is generally a freak show on the other side. Am I correct? <laughs> is that true? And what happens to us is that we don't know that we're safe enough to be that freak show in God's house. Do you know what I mean? We don't feel safe enough, so I put the wrong side of my fake side when I come into the hallelujah, brother. Thank you very much, Jess. <laughs> hey, you too, brother. And don't, don't kid yourself. I would, wouldn't have really killed my family on the way to church, even though I wanted to. I wouldn't have done it. Okay. Because um, most of us are in our greatest struggle on our way to church. Is that correct? No? It's an odd church, if that's so. We always get our worst demonic attack is happening 30 minutes before you hit the door, and you are in a mess. And you're trying to figure out how now to get into the church and say, hallelujah, brother. Am I correct? Is that true? And what we could say is like, I don't want to go in the house of God and go, oh, man, what a mess in my house. You know, we don't want to admit what's really, really happening. So we just smile and lie, don't we? Great way to start worshiping God. Am I getting to your, am I getting your attention? Now, I'm telling you all of this because the edge of what you have already is really pretty sharp. But if God gets the fine, sharp edge on it he really wants to do, this will cut and separate bone from marrow. It will be sharp enough to do what God is really going to do. That's the whole point of that. I, I guess I'm making sense of it. Maybe it's our time to be wise enough to see your life is not your own. If you don't know that, you might want to pick up on that. This is, you don't own this life. 
God owns it. He paid for it at a high price. And he will do with it as he sees fit. He says that he had said it to me years ago when I was trying to tell him how great, how wise he was for bringing me into the kingdom. <laughs> um, you know, at that point, I told the guys in the first service, my grandmother prayed for me for 30 years to be saved. Faithful, faithful, faithful. And she's as sweet as she can be. And one day when I was 35 years old and I was up to my nose in the music business, God grabbed me by the neck and says, you are coming with me. I've heard enough prayer from this woman. <laughs> now, if you've thought for one minute that it wasn't possible to pray someone into the kingdom when they don't want to go, you're mistaken. If God answers prayer, and he does, I just want to say that God does answer prayer. We might say, well, he didn't answer this. He may not have done it in your time, or worse, this is my favorite, <laughs> this is really my favorite insult. <laughs> if you're thinking about your future, you're not where you belong when God brings the answer to your prayer. Because you're off over there. Yes, when I get to, when I get, when I get. God is I am. That means I'm present. I'm now. He's not your history and he's not your future. He is your history and future rather. He's not back there and he ain't up here. He's right here. He's right where you are. And you might pray about your future until you drop on the floor. It's not going to change anything. God said it. Jesus said it. You can't do anything about your future. You might be dead tomorrow. What do you know? So he said, why bother trying to go down that road when it's, I'm present? So what happened to you is many of you have had answered prayer that you weren't there to get. Hmm. Is that insulting? That hurt my feelings a lot. It just was like, what do you mean I wasn't there? And he said, yeah, you're off in your future. And when you're not present, there's nothing for you. You're not going to get what you're asking for. Or if my history, my past, is now in my face, ah, why? Ten years ago, someone insulted me. <laughs> and I'm still walking around like it happened a minute ago. You, you get what I'm saying. If you're carrying that around, all the prayers you pray are answered and you don't see the answer because you're still living way in the past. Is that making good sense? Is that too much sense? That's too much sense. Okay. Good to have the Holy Spirit in the house with you. I have it in my house. Right? Bob Jones told me one day, and we'll sing this song if you want to. I don't, uh, are you up for singing a song? Or are you tired? Are you guys tired? Are you sure you're not tired? It is Sunday, and you, a lot of you are fasting. I can, I feel like hunger in the house. I see people eyeing up ankles. You know they. May. <laughs> I could take a bite out of it. You wouldn't notice. <laughs> Bob said to me one day, don't say let God arise, God has risen. Said, yes, Bob. That's all you do with Bob. You say, yes, Bob. Um, and don't say let his enemies be scattered. They're running. I'm telling you right now, they're running from God. So I got all inspired and I went back and wrote a song and sang it for him the next night. Yeah, oh, amen. He would say, oh, amen, oh, amen. That's God. You guys know Bob Jones? Love him, prophetic guy. Oh God, the nations have invaded 
your inheritance and the holy place. Jerusalem is almost in ruins, while most men just turn away. How long, O oh Lord, will you be angry? How long, O oh Lord, will you hide your face? And then the Lord awoke as if from a sleep like a warrior overcome with wine and he drove back his adversaries and he smote them on their parts takes his stand in his own congregation he will judge in the midst of kings there is a shaking coming to this generation the winds of change will blow all things how long oh lord will you watch injustice how long Then the Lord awoke as if from a sleep, like a warrior overcome with wine. And he drove back his adversaries, and he smote them on their parts Take back and say I agree with Jesus Christ and on him alone. 
taking back loved ones. I'm taking back loved ones. I'm taking back loved ones for Jesus Christ. I'm not satisfied with what's happening to our children. So I'm taking back my son, taking back my daughter for the love of God. Can you feel the presence start working in your lives until you see his glory pouring down upon the city light? Oh God, we know that there's more than we've seen.
not seen the dark when it comes it's lost your children sometimes to a dark that should have never had that much power over them now he's awakening us to see something we've never seen it's called the good in the bad that's been here better if you liked me but if that costs you not being prepared for what God is doing and you can hate me all you like but you need to hear that and you need to awaken to what God has been speaking to you for some time are you okay this isn't about you're doing the wrong thing don't hear that this is about the Lord has been knocking behold I knock at your door and the truth is what he wants to do is come in and have supper isn't that funny because he wants to have a relationship with everybody in the house, an actual, real, live relationship. With that relationship, you won't make any mistakes because the relationship is God. I'm making sense? When the fire starts, you'll know exactly what to do because you have a relationship with the God who started the fire. 
Is that okay? Right. How many were from Morningstar? Oh, only a few in this. Okay. I think the first service had more on them. It's time to separate from, from history, from the past. It's great, wonderful, all that, but it's time to separate from it because God is going on. He's, behold, I do a new thing, he says. He goes to another place. That was a great stepping stone. Thank you, God. I was a part of it. I couldn't be happier for it. But I want to go on. I want to see another thing. I want to see the God, that same God who can move and change a nation. He changed our nation with simple things that I wouldn't have ever thought. He changed places in the, all over the world by that. Why? Well, it wasn't because of anything I did or anything anyone else did. It's because he chose to change it. And he's changing it again. Anybody know that? Anyone sensing that? I love that. I love a God that would have it written in Scripture. He kicked his enemies in their butt. I like that. That's the scripture. He smote them on their hinder parts. How pleasant that is written. There's no way to write that except he kicked his enemy in the butt. And nothing they could do about it but run squealing from him. Because he is rising in a way we've never known him before. I think he's great. Anybody in? You feeling that? I have no idea when you stopped. You probably stopped an hour ago, right? You don't know. I will sing you a song and then we'll... You have something after that? Okay. We need something that's more precious than life. And David said it best. Your loving kindness is more precious than life to me. And that's what God is starting to do to us now, is reveal the measure of his loving kindness not like we understand love. We think love means I need to make you feel good about me. And that's not love at all. And if you care for the, another definition, I'm a definition guy. The word that's used in scripture more than any other word for love is agapeo, not agape. Agapeo means to carry an affectionate reverence. It means it prompts you to obey and it's the love that causes you to recognize the benefits. And it's the love that says, I refuse to live without or do without. That's the definition of God so loved the world. Love one another as I loved you. That's what he said. So if to me, for me to make you feel good about me is not love at all. That's fondness, that's phileo. That means I'm really fond, I think it's great because you like me and I like you, therefore I love you because you make me feel good about you. Anybody? Love is something you can't separate from us. You can't get rid of me. You might be mad at me, but you can't get rid of me because love holds us to this bond. Are you understanding that? There's 47,000 denominations of Christian churches on the earth. 47,000. I think we, we got enough. I don't think we need to fragment anymore. 
We need to stay together. You okay? stood on the mountain waiting for you to pass by you put your hand over his face so in your presence
for being patient and letting me rant for a moment or so. There's some great worth here and you won't miss it. You can't because God won't let it happen. You won't miss what he's planned. I just want to be a part. How about you? I would learn how to be deeper involved. Get more involved and respond to your God long before you get here. Don't make this the only place you respond to God. Show up with a fire in your belly and a desire to shout his name until he fills the room to overflowing. Call in the river of God. Watch the changes happen. Amen. I have a closing prayer. I think you like to do prayers and blessings and things. So this is when the Lord kind of led me to, it's a, a little daily dedication prayer to keep me focused. So I'm going to pray it for us so you can just kind of get it. Father, I'd like to, uh, we want to offer ourselves to you in this day of life that you have so freely given to us mm. back to you. We ask you to receive today's life expression as an offering of thanksgiving, praise, and honor to you. Lord, we ask you to lead us and guide us, to direct and protect us as we walk out this day. Will you quicken our eyes to see and our ears to hear what your spirit is showing and saying to us? We now offer our spirits, our souls, and our bodies to you as a place of habitation. Would you please cleanse us and rearrange any part of our being 
that does not align with your purposes or desires? Mm -hmm. Will you take full charge of our thoughts, our words, our deeds, and the intents of our hearts and empower us to cause them to become more like yours? As we open our spirits to you, Holy Spirit, will you fill us afresh with your love and your joy and your peace, with your kindness, patience, and goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, and your self-control. We ask you to supply us with the great grace that we need to walk out a life that honors the Father. We believe that as we daily surrender to your life that indwells us, you will move through us to accomplish your purposes as you continue to transform us into all you have designed us to be. Please forgive us as we confess and repent for the sin, rebellion, and iniquity of our family line and ourselves as the Holy Spirit continues to reveal these to us. We receive the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all defilements that we have received in our spirits, souls, or bodies. Father, we receive your forgiveness, and we, for we forgive ourselves and our ancestors, as well as anyone who has sinned against us or our family line. We release to the cross all offenses and resentments, as well as any residual bitterness and grudges we may have inherited or taken upon ourselves and are still carrying. Lord, will you please renew our minds and cleanse yes. and reformat our brains and any other organs or systems of our body that have been or are still being affected by those sins, rebellions, and iniquities. We thank you, Father, that your mercy is new and fresh every morning, and we confess that we desire it and need it. As we shake off the residue and entanglements of our yesterdays, we ask for your help to release us from the stress and strain of trying to plan our own tomorrows. We now gladly receive your plan for today and your power to walk in it. Amen. Amen. I think the Lord wants me to just make a call to those who need to take the lid off. How many have put a lid on God's ability to deal with you? Would you raise your hand? How many would say, I'm ready to take the lid off of that? How many, how many have, this is one thing I think the Lord is saying, is that I'm guarding, I'm guarding against being discovered. <laughs> I'm guarding against who I really am coming to light, and so I'm, I'm scared to allow God to, to come into that spot. And, and so you're resisting God with that. Anybody relate to that? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, all over. Are you ready to break that up? You ready to give that up? Would you say today? I'm ready to give that up. Ready to quit hiding. Quit making excuses. Quit making excuses. You ready? <laughs> Let's pair up one on one. Just get get a partner. Just get somebody to a partner right there with you, right near you. Doesn't matter if they're male or female. 
Let's pray over them. Make sure everybody's got a partner. I see Junior right here. Father, we believe that. Say it with me. Father, we believe that. We believe, God, that we can't hide. Lord, we release any religious spirit. <laughs> and we say to our brothers and sisters, if we're paired up, that the blessing of God, that the reality of God would come alive. And that all idols would manifest and be brought to the altar and cast into it. I pray that I put nothing. I pray that my friend puts nothing in front of who you are, enthroned on their heart. Nobody but you. Let that be a reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.